This is The Guardian. I should say before we start, today's episode contains some swearing. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled upon the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Finding your perfect home was hard. But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, friends. You find me for the last time this season in my kitchen as ever. And of course, just to put me in my place after such a wonderful series, Gino, the cat, seems to have just puked on the floor just before my guest arrives. Classic, get the kitchen roll. Okay, so I'm going to have to have something very quick. I am unwrapping baby bells and dipping them directly into tomato relish. You can never just have one, can you? Two, three, is four too much? Right, the word iconic gets bandied around a lot. But my guest today truly is a British soap opera icon. I am, of course, talking about the actor, Natalie Cassidy. Can you tell that I'm excited? (laughs) Some of you might know her by a different name, that of her EastEnders character, Sonia Fowler. As Sonia... Natalie has acted out some very meaty storylines, including a surprise teenage pregnancy, being held hostage and being arrested for murder, leading to fans coining the phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you Sonia. Today, it's all about Natalie, though, because aside from nearly 30 years of her and EastEnders, she's been elevated to one of the country's most beloved cult figures. I want to hear about her real-life storylines and, of course, the comfort foods that are close to her heart. You see, some people sniff at baby bells, but they're perfection. Toddlers love them. Old people love them. Podcast presenters love them. Mmm. Last episode of season three, people. Natalie Cassidy. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't ask for anything more. Mm, I've got time for another.
Natalie Cassidy, welcome to Comfort Eating. I am honoured to be here, Grace. You are officially one of the UK's most beloved huns. As crowned by the massive Instagram account, Love of Huns. Yeah, it is an honour, actually. They use you endlessly for memes about Prosecco with the girlies. But who is your favourite UK hun? Oh, it's a really difficult one. I think I'd have to go Alison Hammond. (gasps) Oh, what a hun. A multifaceted hun. Just a massive breasted hun (laughs) who loves to just cuddle people and laugh, (laughs) laugh and have fun. She's funny. She's serious. She's relatable. She's just normal. She's not. I She's think one of us. It's normal with an extra twist. Like, I'm normal. But then I'll go to Selfridges for the day oh, and sit God. up at the cocktail bar and buy a nice bag. You know what I mean? That is so good. Right. Natalie, let's get on to important stuff. Mm. Food. What ultimate comfort snack have you brought to eat today? So I thought about this obviously listening before and I thought what can I come up with that's really exciting and a bit different and I thought no you've got to be honest when I'm at home on my own Mark's at work he's working late I put the kids to bed I don't chop things up and rustle things up I can't be bothered I don't want to do that I want to sit down I want to have a glass of wine I love it and being a hun, it usually is a polyfumo. <laughs> I won't drink shit wine. And what I do is I don't even get anything out of the fridge, Grace. <laughs> don't even open the fridge. Is it just the wine? It's beef and onion Marx's crisps. <laughs> they are good. <laughs> They're a good crisp. And I just sit with my wine and my packet of crisps. I'll probably watch EastEnders. Pure pleasure. Do you watch EastEnders? Yeah, got to keep up with it, babe. For the record, Nat is opening it with her teeth. <laughs> I haven't ah. got I haven't got my Le Creuset top thing. That is so fun. I haven't got the my little what do you call that? You know what, the, the opener thing. No, not you know the thing that you take the top of the the foil off with. I don't know what the actual name for that is. Well, that's not here. So I've just thought of a, I've just thought of a thing that is really hun. We buy Le Creuset, but we get it at TK Maxx. It's so hun. It's so hun. <laughs> I've actually got the Cuisinart electric opener. The one that just goes in, yeah. out. You know what I'm going to say? Yeah. I am surprised you keep up with EastEnders because do you not start looking at everybody else's storylines and scripts and thinking, well, they've got better lines than me this week? No. Or, no. I've been there for 29 years. Well, with a gap, seven-year gap. But when you start in a show that young, you, the, all of those feelings go out the window. I never look at the telly and go, oh, what, she, what am I wearing? Or, oh, I've said that wrong. Or, It's just a, it's a, in me. I can't quite explain what I mean, but I love watching it so I can go to work and say, for instance, my mate Max, who plays Ben, I know he's had an amazing storyline of late. Pause the glass, darling. Yeah, there we go, my love. So I would, you know, I want to go in and say, Max, I saw that last night. It was fantastic. It's just about morale and teamwork. Oh, man, you're a trooper. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for coming. I can't believe I'm here. (laughs) 
you grew up in Islington, mm. London. I did, yeah. Tell me who was at home when you were little. My brothers are older than me, a lot older, 15 and 18 years gap. So really, I was quite, I was an only child, really, growing up at home with mum and dad. And my nanny Liz lived with me from birth, so my mum looked after her mum. So it was like multi-generational in our house. And she lived in this little room upstairs and she'd be upstairs and I'd take her up her little Guinness. And I've got the memories of, you know, taking up her little roast dinner on a Sunday. Oh. Yeah. So there's four of four you. Four of us, Four yeah. of you in the house. Yeah. And and you, so Nanny nanny's, nanny's getting older mm. and mm. and she's, what, staying in bed quite Staying a lot. in bed yeah. or getting up and sitting in her little chair and I'd go and sit with her. And you've got the little tray. And I've got a little tray. Or a little jug of water, and she loved a Guinness for her iron levels, obviously. So she had a little Guinness. <laughs> I love that she had. I love that she had a Guinness. Mm. What were your mum and dad called? Evelyn and Charlie. My dad called my mum Liza. I don't know why. So hence why my daughter's called Eliza. But oh. Evelyn and Liza. People always go, "Is it for Eliza Doolittle?" <laughs> no. What were they like, mum and dad? They were just the best, mum and dad. I had a wonderful upbringing. If I had walked into your house on a Saturday night when you were about eight years Mm. old, Mm. what would you all be doing? (laughs) You'd have big break, the generation game. You'd switch over to ITV and then you'd have blind date and gladiators. It's like the best. It was magical. It was very focused round telly, if you Mm. like. But mum would be, I can still smell the, the chip fat. Yeah. The deep fat fryer would be on. Yeah. She'd made her own chips. She'd have a little steak, cremate it. <laughs> it was cremated, but it still tasted good. I still, I, I don't want that now, but if my mum was here now, I would say, I want the steak how you used to do it. Like, yeah. Tough. Hang on. So what does she do with the steak? Does she fry it she in another pan? It. And she fries it until it's grey. It's grey, yeah. yeah. Well, people back then, they didn't eat rare no, me the no. 90s we didn't eat rare no. meat so yeah that would be fried she'd probably chuck in a few tomatoes we'd have a few fried tomatoes so she's getting the potato the big maris piper she's big peeling mar- it she's peeled the potato she's washed the potato and then it wasn't um uniform chips you yeah. know it was like just, just chopped up the, yeah. fat, fat ones thin ones thick ones just <sighs> the best chips so then the chips come out of this fryer what are you having with them? Sauces. My dad would not allow tomato ketchup on the table if he was sat at it. He'd have gravy, which I found really weird. I don't know how he'd have Bisto, but he would. <laughs> but he would not have a sauce. No mint sauce, no mustard, no mayonnaise, no tomato ketchup. I could have tomato sauce, but I couldn't sit with dad if I was eating it. I've never heard this before. Have you not? No, My I've never. like it as well. He hates it. David hates it. My niece, Evie May, she can't stand it. She's like, don't get that away from me. It might be a Cassidy gene thing. I think it is a Cassidy thing. Yeah. What about mayo? I love mayonnaise. But that that's come with age. We didn't have mayonnaise in the house, so I wouldn't have known if I'd liked it or not. Okay. If I didn't eat mayonnaise, I reckon I'd be like a supermodel. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, they'd be like, who's Kate Moss? We've got Nat Cass. <laughs> if, if mayonnaise didn't exist... But you know you buy breaded chicken, just four sort of breaded chicken steaks. Yeah. Put them in the oven and just have mayonnaise with it. I could eat that. That, that would I could live on that. Okay. Saturday night. Mm. What is your dad doing 
when your mum's cooking? He worked in a newsagent. So sometimes on the Saturday evening, because he, he didn't open on the Sunday, he'd do the books. So he'd sit down and he'd have a little tin and he'd get all the money out and, he'd, you know, he'd tally up yeah. what he's made and what he, just to make sure everything was level. Yeah. But I, I loved that. All his money bags, all the money spread out, all the coins, and, you, and he'd sit yeah. and he'd do all the books. The and smell of the money. Oh, yeah. The oh, like money the money. All the, all the coins and... And this little tin, and he'd go for it, and I just used to watch him do that. Also, back in the day, he he was quite emotional about football. If Arsenal had played that day, he'd either be really happy that they'd won, or a, a little bit annoyed mm. that they hadn't. Um, and the pools would be on as well, and he'd check his pools. And that sound of the pools—it's a yeah. bit like the shipping forecast. Yeah. It's yes. so amazing to listen to, for, yeah. like meditative almost. But I feel like the pools on the telly. The, the fat fryer. Like, I, I couldn't think of a happier place. We should describe the pools to people listening. Yeah, but... go on. So you have to predict what football teams are going to score next week, whether it's going to be a draw or a lose or a win. Yeah. And you put them all in little X's that go down a grid and then you enter it. You're making me emotional. Honestly, that has just taken me back to... With the pools? Yeah, my family all sitting... It's when they got to the Scottish bit and they'd go, four, four, four. <laughs> He's Kilbride, three. Brilliant. But right up to the end, Dad would go, oh, you look happy, you won the polls. Yes. It's still, you know, it's a thing, wasn't it? What other family do you have around? I wasn't blessed with a sister. And obviously I've lost my mum young. Mm. I was 19 when she died. Mm. But it's I feel like God, or whoever it is, I don't even know if I believe in God, but... Something in the world has gone, all right, well, you haven't got that. You haven't got your mum. You haven't got a sister. But I'll tell you what we're going to give you. We're going to give you two sister-in-laws who are like your sisters because they've known you since you were a baby. Mm. And then they're going to have kids and you're going to have another set of an ama- amazing women. Mm. Yeah. And Maria, Elia and Evie are just fantastic. Evie obviously is younger and I really am an auntie to her. But Maria came along when I was three and we're like sisters. And then Elias, uh, 30. So, yeah, we, you know, we get on very, very well. Maria and Elia are like, I can't, ima- I can't, I can't, exp- I can't express my feelings with them. I can't tell you how I feel. I can it's, see how you feel because you look emotional just even talking about them. They are my sisters, my best friends. I'm their auntie. They're my nieces it's just an amalgamation of, of everything you could want from a, a a friendship and a family member. Like if I don't, if I go a day without talking to uh, Elia or Maria, I feel depressed. But I don't know if it's a good thing or not to feel like that, but that's how I feel. Yeah. You um, need that connection. It's, yeah. I don't know what I'd do without them, really. Really, I don't. You were in a drama club when you were little. Yeah. But then when you're 10, you join the cast of EastEnders, which is arguably the biggest soap opera on telly at that time. Yes, yeah. Okay. Join the dots for me. How does that come about? Okay. So I went to Anisher Theatre uh, in Copenhagen Street up in uh, Islington. And again, what was lovely, it was £2.50. 
a lesson on a Friday night and anyone could go. Yeah. Anyone could go for that £2.50. And it yeah. didn't matter who you were, what size you were, what colour you were. And that place taught me, Anna, Anna Sher herself, actually taught me everything I needed to know, much more than school, about diversity. We'd have a Winston word because Winston Churchill learned a new day, a new word every day. We'd have a Winston word to learn each week. She'd have an Africa side um, a map and an Irish map because they were her places. Mm. We'd talk about Martin Luther King and colour. And I'm going back a long time and it's so relevant to us today being able to open that conversation about white privilege and just race and all of those, and transgender. It was, she was so ahead of her time Mm. to teach kids that you can be anything you want Mm. and doesn't matter who you are, what colour, what race, what sexuality you are. She just loved, she was just a humanitarian. She just loved humanity. And she was amazing. So I used to go to this class. We used to do a lot of improvisation. Tamika Empson, who plays Kim, she's just won the Comedy Award at the Soap Awards. She used to go. She was older than me, so she was in a different class, but she was amazing, so she went there. And in our class, Anna Sher used to go, and we'd be chatting or whatever, and she used to go, oh, why can't you all be like Tamika Empson? And we'd all have to go, because we're all individuals. (laughs) And she was like a teacher's pet for Anna. And yet casting directors used to come in and out of Anna's and sit and watch us. They used to just sit in the theatre, come in and, and sort of watch the what's going on, who's mm. about. And this one night was EastEnders. And um, these guys came in and they sat down and they must have thought, who's this funny looking thing? And I stood up and said, well, I don't know, something about, it ain't, my, it ain't my fault I broke the over, something, you know, whatever. And then I got a recall. They said, we'd like to see you at Elstree. No one in the family acts. Mum's at home, didn't have a job. She was home mm. homemaker. Dad was a news agent. Agency phoned. Hello, Evelyn. Wanna, you got any aud- your daughter's got an audition now. It's like a recall to go up to. So she went, oh, all right. Well, should we go, Charles? Should we go up there? We'll have a couple more. Yeah. So we went up there. Driving up there. Take that were huge at the time. 1993, mm. this is. Mm. And there were queues in Bournemouth High Street of just girls. Queues and queues and queues. Mania. Mm. Like, you don't get it now. And I, and I was driving in this gate thinking, I can't believe, I'm driving in here and they're all standing outside. So I wasn't even excited about the audition. I was just excited that I was in the same place where Tate that was. Mm. That was really mm. amazing. Yeah. I went up, I, I read this script, I said hello to everybody, went home. And then my brother Tony tells it really well because apparently my mum, I was at school when she got the call, so my mum phoned Tony to say, your sister's going to be in EastEnders. She's got a like, playing a part, a little girl in a family. And I don't even think my mum realised what it was. We didn't watch EastEnders. We watched Coronation Street in our house. Oh. Never watched EastEnders. My dad didn't like it. My mum didn't really. It was Corrie. I just thought, well, I'm going to have a couple of days off school, go to a different place, meet some new people. I was like an adult at 10. I've always had a very old soul. So people who've, you know... My sister and I tell you now. Or I've I've always surrounded myself by older people. Spoke spoken to older people. I'd go round a mate's house. They'd go to bed and I'd sit with the mum. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'd Here be mates with all the mums <laughs> more than the kids. I love that. Pour us another glass, Brenda. Yeah, I've got, I've got stuff to talk oh, about. Get us a glass of wine. <laughs> 
tell me about the first day that you walk on set. I had a black velvet coat, bomber jacket, Sonia's first coat. And I remember them giving it to me and saying, you've got to take it home and dirty it up. So I remember having to take this coat and like kicking it around the garden, thinking, oh, I've got this coat that it's not mine, but it's Sonia's. Thinking, this is a bit strange. I remember that. And I remember it being freezing, freezing cold. I started in the October and having to spray paint outside the laundrette with Robbie. Yeah. That was the first thing I shot. I remember that. I'm really fascinated by food on sets. When you're a 10-year-old a child star in the 90s, did they get you like a special rider of things to eat? <laughs> did you have like a dressing room just full of sunny delight? And I don't know what sets you've been to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, the it... BBC or the BBC when we had a canteen. So you'd go over to the big canteen and you'd see people over there. Grange Hill was filmed there as well. So you'd have all the Grange Hill kids over there. Top of the Pops was filmed there. So on a Thursday, you'd see people. What's your go-to canteen lunch? Probably pie, chips and beans. Classic. Beef pie, chicken pie. Every chips, day. beans. Yeah, probably. Or fish and chips. Or a burger and chips. Like real stodge. Stodge. Yeah. That stodge is so good. Yeah. How do you manage everything? You're you're a, a child star. You've got home life. You've got to go to school. Busy? Uh, being at primary school, it was a bit of a breeze, really. I just used to have the odd day off and whatever. But secondary school arrived. I went to Islington Green, which wasn't the best school in the world. Mm. And there was a lot of jealousy there. How come she can have a day off? Why are you on the telly? You know, it wasn't great. But I did love school. I enjoyed learning and I still enjoy learning. I love, I'm a bit of an autodidact. I love learning. But Mm. it was quite tough, I think, looking back on it. I sort of got on with it. That's what I always do. I am that sort of person. I just get on with it. I've got quite a hard skin. Come on, just got to be done. Get, get, get. And then I kind of reflect and think, actually, it was a bit, bit tough. There's a part of me that still lives in fear of teenage girls. Yeah. You mm. know, from that point yeah. in history, it's that idea when you're a teenage girl about that age, doing anything that makes you different. Mm. Absolutely. I stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So well, you were quite... famous. Yeah. And I just went to this rough school down the road and everyone took the piss out of me, really. And then in the end, I was like, if you can't beat them, join them, which was probably the worst thing to do because I didn't really, I didn't come away with anything. Just didn't do any work. She used to bunk off down the canal. Because uh, I thought, I can't, I, if they're going to bully me or whatever, I might as well just join them. And they weren't bad people, actually. They were just a little bit, how do you say it? Directionless and unmotivated because yeah. people didn't believe no. So they don't believe in working class kids. And also I had this amazing job that I loved going to. So for me, I just I never I just thought, well, I don't need to do this because when I'm at work, I'm treated with respect. There's no ageism at work. One of my best friends was June Brown. I was I was twelve, thirteen, sitting with a seventy four year old, having an amazing time. Like, why do I want to be at school with these idiots? It was just amazing. Like Wendy Richard, June, Barbara Windsor, just these iconic women who would t- talk to me about work and what they've done before and what I needed to do. And 
how good I was and I just had this amazing magical place which was home apart from my own house it was at home and it still is home you can completely see that from the age of 11 you were 10 you were with these like you know not the word isn't diva but yeah divas of the soap world yeah yeah the the big players the big hitters yeah absolutely these women that had you know it's been in showbiz forever just matriarch the matriarchs of the show hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, so take me back. What would you and the castmates do for food? (laughs) <laughs> after a long day of filming so teenage years we had charlie brooks who's back now which is a joy so nice to see her and be with her we do go back to being 15 so you had charlie and you had jack Ryder, who was like a real heartthrob of the time oh i mean sorry so fit <laughs> so fit <laughs> of always, the time. always always a treat when he got his top off but yeah we would hang out we'd it, mcdonald's drive through babes oh it was our go-to thing. Once so was someone you. was, once one of us was driving, it was drive through at lunch every you, day. And then we'd do it. things, and then you'd be showing off, and you'd be like, "Is Ronald there?" And I'd be like, "Oh, they're back." It's like, "Could you get me Ronald, please?" Because uh-uh. I don't want the burger unless Ronald serves. And they're like, "We haven't got time for this. It's a cube behind you. We used to terrorise them." Sorry, <laughs> is Ronald about? Cut. Is Ronald not here again? No. And I have a chicken sandwich with large chips, a Diet Coke and a cheeseburger, please. That was my order. Every lunch time. Hang on, talk me through that again, right? <laughs> You're getting a what? I'm getting a ch- chicken sandwich meal. <sighs> yeah. But large chips. Large chips. Barbecue sauce. Large, massive Diet Coke and a cheeseburger. I mean, that sounds delicious. In the late 90s and early noughties, you were often photographed partying with your best mates from the show, Martine McCutcheon and Patsy Palmer. Tell me about those times. Well, really, it's not good. It wasn't good, was it? I was about 14. Now we'd be out in, what was it called? Sugar. Sugar Reef. Sugar Reef, thank you. Every night, you know, different club every night, wasn't it? And I was about 14. And they'd go, come on, hello, Sonia. In we go. Table, all your drinks on it. 
Shambles I used to drink. Champagne, vodka and Red Bull. Oh, that's going to do it. Shambles. Do you remember Pop? I do remember Pop. I used to go there with H from Steps and Adam Garcia. Oh, my God. Boogie. They were good times. I've got uh, questions of people that you've met in VIP rooms mm. at that point. Mick Hucknall. Yeah, Mick. Victoria and David at a twice, a nice, twice as nice do after a smash hits party. And I won, won an award. Yeah. Oh, Gail Porter. Had some really good nights out with Gail. You must have been absolutely smashed if that was your go-to drink. Shambles, yeah. I mean, even the name. I know. It was all a shambles, yeah. So, you're 19. Mm -hmm. You're riding high on life, on and offset, and then your mum dies. Mm. What impact does this have on you carrying on? I mean, I mean, from that day. Mm. It was just a really, really hard time. But I think what I did was just carry on. I didn't really deal with it. How many days did you have offset? She died on the Monday of my week off. So she was selfless to the end. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't need to have any time off. What, you went back the next week? Mm. With all, and learned all your lines and everything was yeah. bloody hell. But I, having my job, it, it was brilliant because I always had a focus. And I loved my job. I loved what I did. The problem I've got, you see, which is such a shame, is I have all this sort of guilt about my mum because I was 19 when she died mm. and I never had time to come back to her. So it's really hard. Was it really quick? Yes, she had an aneurysm. It was really sudden. Although she battled with cancer before that and cleared it and everything. Mm. She just wasn't meant to be here anymore. Mm. But because you're 19, you hate your mum and dad. You're <laughs> out all the time. You're not, you're not interested in them. And then... In your late twenties, you know, mid twenties, you come back, don't you? You start having lunch with your mum, you go out with your mum, you do stuff. And I never got to do it. I never got to show that I loved her. And I'm sure she knew, but that's a really tough time for a mum. And you don't know that until you become a mum and you start thinking of that sort of stuff. It is really tough thinking about the grief I put my mum through mm. and never, ha never having the time to apologise. Today, we have endless choice when it comes to what to watch. But in the noughties, soaps were appointment viewing mm. every night. Mm. What is it like when almost half the country thinks that they know you and the tabloid press are obsessed with you? I don't know. It just it is what it is. That's what I've, that's what I've gone through. I don't... I, I never knew any different. I was ten. People recognised me from ten. I can't. Rem I can't remember not being recognised. So it's just part of my life. Fortunately, Sonia plays a good girl, so I don't get harassed in the street. I got a bit of harassment from girls when Sonia went out with Jamie because he was such a huge pinup. I remember going to Blue Water once with Jack, and. We just didn't realise, and it was so bad. The security guards had to usher him out of the back of Blue Water. Like, it was bad. Like, people wouldn't believe it now, because, like you say, telly's, telly's changed. Mm. There aren't that many people watching EastEnders anymore. But it's great. Mm. 
but no one's going to get 25 million viewers. When Jamie died at the Christmas, Jamie died and Sonia was there on Christmas Day, I think 24 million people watched that. Like, you're not going to get viewing figures like that anymore. It's just not going to happen. Out of order, making people cry into their turkeys. And oh. It's too beautiful to die. <laughs> In 2007, you release your first workout DVD, <laughs> Natalie Cassidy's Then and Now yeah. Workout. And then later, Natalie Cassidy's The Perfect Ten. How does this come about? How did you feel about doing them at the time? So I was very overweight and they approached me and said, listen, we're going to give you 100 grand. We're going to get you really fit. You're going to lose four stone. What? I was like, happy days. I'll have a go. Yeah, when do I start? <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> and again, I'm very open about, you know, I wasn't at work. I thought, God, that's a lot of money. It's good. But it wasn't the right thing to do. It wasn't the right thing to do. Why not? Because it wasn't. Because it's, you are losing a lot of weight in a very, it's a three month period, I believe it was, three or four months. Four stone in 12 weeks. Yeah, 12 or 15. I can't, 12 or 16, I can't quite remember. Really low calories and just training every day with a trainer. And I got there. And as soon as that DVD, DVD came out, Grace, that was it. I ate for England. I put it all back on again in about eight weeks. So then I was in this sort of awful tabloidy heat magazine It was just a, a heaven for them, wasn't it? Suddenly I'd lost all this weight and then there was all pictures of me having lost all the weight. And then someone's packed me and they're like, oh my God, she's put it all back on again. It was just a great story for them. But it's never gone away. They're always obsessed with me. And I've kind of remained now very sort of stable. I can lose sort of half a stone, put half a stone on, I think, as women, as we all mm, do. Yeah. But I have remained, you know, where I am now and feel quite comfortable. But bloody hell, for someone like you, who, like me, loves her food. Yeah. I mean, 15 weeks. Yeah, you just on... don't go out. You don't, you have no social life, do you? No. For losing that sort of weight. You can't no. go out to eat. Miserable time. We did two. Oh. But the second one um, was much more, much more relaxed. But I, I enjoy exercise, you see. I love it. I do enjoy it. I'm no Davina McCall, but I do like a, a good going to the gym, weights. Like I do enjoy it. It makes me mentally it's very good for me. Yeah. Very good for me. You had your first daughter, Eliza, mm -hmm. in 2010. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the comfort foods you're eating during your first mm. pregnancy. Chicken and mayonnaise sandwiches <sighs> on thick white bread or a baguette from the baker's. Has it got butter in it? Loads of butter. How thick is the butter? Centimetre. Butter, you can see your teeth in. Yeah. A little bit of lettuce on top, salt and pepper. I don't even know if you're supposed to eat mayonnaise, are you, when you're pregnant? But I did. Because my mum used to make me chicken and mayonnaise sandwiches. Remember the chicken with the stuffing in it from m &S? Oh, yes. Those. She used to make me thick white sandwiches. But I went back to that when I was pregnant. I just, oh, I just craved it. I didn't really eat anything else, I don't think. I didn't eat much. And lemons. I used to eat 
cut up lemons and eat them, peel them and eat them like apples. I really felt like wanted lemons. You were filming a documentary for E4, following your journey as a first-time mum. All a mistake. Why? Because I was so unhappy. It wasn't a nice time. Eliza's father. Mm. Uh, father, well, yeah, we call him that. He just wasn't very kind to me. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've got Eliza, so it doesn't matter. But it was bad, bad times. Oh, and you're letting the cameras in and they want to come in all the time. Yeah, but I'm I sure. needed the money. So then it, you get into this, you look back at that and you go, what are you doing? Because he wasn't very kind and or we'd be arguing and then the cameras would be coming around, you'd be all on edge thinking, oh, it's got to be all right now. And oh, it's just a nightmare. Could you put a front on though when they came in? Yeah. Can you see it if you, if you, I don't think you would watch it. I would it. not even watch it. I've never you... watched it. Not watched it. Man, that's stressful. It was stressful, but it was my fault. I dug myself into it. I've been having a look at clips from mm. when you went on TV to talk about your partner mm. and the stuff that mm. went on, abusive behaviour. And you went on again when you got back together. Mm. You did an interview again after you finally split. Mm. If you look at that time, yeah, what is the motivation for talking publicly? I don't know because actually those interviews that you're talking about, they're all free. They're not paid. They're just like this mornings and stuff like that that you don't get paid for. Did you feel like you had to justify your decisions to the public for like going and coming back yeah, and splitting yeah, up? Yeah, and at the time I think so, yeah. Like readdressing the balance of what you've seen in the papers? by Yeah, by talking myself rather than everyone else talking about me. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that all ended. And um, it, when I wasn't at EastEnders, it just wasn't a very good time. Yeah. I feel like EastEnders keeps me, you know, keeps me on the straight and narrow. So in 2013, after seven years away, mm. you return to EastEnders, you return to being Sonia. How does that feel? Amazing. Just lovely to go back. Lovely Dominic Treadwell Collins phone, you know, phoned my agent and said, we think we'd like to get Nat back. And we went out one evening and he said, you know, you can come back and it's sort of three months. And I said, I just want to, please don't do that to me. Just have me back. Can I have a bigger contract? Just have me back. Yeah, it was good. That is so bloody honest. Yeah. When someone's saying, oh, we'll try you out. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll come, you know, why yeah. don't we try? I've never had the balls to just say. I want to do this. Yeah. Oh, I do. I do everywhere, whatever it is. I don't, I, I, maybe I am a bit of an open book. Maybe I could have, maybe I could have earned more money or maybe yeah. I could, yeah, could be doing other things, but I just know what I'm happy with and what I want. And that may change, don't get me wrong. There's loads of things I'd love to do. There's loads and loads of stuff I, I, I would love to do and I've got interests in, but. At the moment, you know, I've got two kids, lovely fiancé. I live 40 minutes from work. I go up to work. It's like my home. Do you know what I absolutely love? That you met your fiancé, Mark, when you get back to the square and he's a camera operator. Yeah. You get engaged really quickly. I love that because there are always fit cameramen <laughs> on set yeah. when you work in there. 
the first few days you see them, you kind of think, hmm, <laughs> and they grow on you, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. What was it about him? We started talking on one of the sets, and he's very shy, my Mark. Well, he can be, if he doesn't know, know someone. He's not like me at all. But obviously, me being me, I was like, I like him. I'm going to talk to him, like, straight away. It's like, what's his name? Get me his name. I had, like, one of the guys in the office. I was like, who's that? Find out his name. I want to check him out on Facebook. Get his name. They were like, oh, it's Mark Humphrey. So I'm typing in M-A-R-K-H-U-N. And his name's spelt with a C. I couldn't find him. Oh, I had a shocker. It was really bad. Anyway, I found him in the end. <laughs> yeah, and we just started talking. But what was really weird is I sent him a message on Facebook and then he phoned me. And I was like, oh, it's really just weird. Like, there was no me. And now knowing Mark, now I know why, because he talks for England. He likes, loves to chat on the phone. But, yeah, he just phoned me, and then we just started talking. It's like two hours on the phone. I can almost feel... The, the, the that, fear. The, the fear. <laughs> of the phone ringing. You know they mean business when they actually want Me? to talk. Yeah. They're not messing about. No. They don't want to play text message no. tag. No. They don't want to say, I can't see you for seven weeks. No. They haven't got a wife somewhere. No. That they're, they're literally just, I want to talk to you. Mm. This is it. We're on. And it was like that. And then it was just that excitement. You know that feeling? It's like you're so high. It's amazing. You can't wait to ring or you drive to work and I'd see his car and think, oh, he's in today. And, and we kept it secret at work because we didn't know where it was going to go. And because, yeah. of, you know, it's just a, a lot more for him. I wouldn't want the, you know, being yeah. with me and is it going to yeah. work? And I didn't want his boss to get funny or whatever. So he kept it quite secret, which was really oh, quite sexy. even sexier, I'm sorry. It was very good. And now you live with him? Yeah, and we've got Joni, who's five. be six in August. Do you... And he's like, you know, Eliza calls him dad and has been there a very long time now, so... What's your favourite thing to cook for your family? A roast dinner. The roast dinner for us in my family is so important, and I know it is for everybody, but there's not another meal that you can talk about and get excited over every Sunday. Mm. And I'll phone Elia and say, what meat are you doing this week? She went, like, I might get a bit of beef. I'm like, I might do lamb. How are you going to do it? And this is, you know, potatoes, are we doing big? Are you going small? What are you doing? Are we using goose fat? Are we doing oil? Are we putting, smashing some garlic and rosemary in? Are we keeping it plain? What are we doing? And the conversation regarding the roast dinner, you know, is very, very important to, again, all my key girls that I've, I've spoke to you about, we talk about food continuously. And a roast dinner for me reminds me of my mum, and that's when my brothers would come home on a Sunday with the families and there'd be lots of us and mum would do the roast dinner, making our own Yorkshires. Are we having runner beans? Are we doing marrow? My mum loved doing marrow. She'd just bore, bore the fuck out of it and it'd just be really watery. <laughs> but my, my Maria, my niece, like loves marrow because of it. She's like, oh, I want to do marrow. So if I was meeting up with you and your nieces mm. and your sister-in-laws for a night in, just it's just a Friday night in. Friday night together. in, picky we bits, we're having <gasps> picky bits. We're doing picky bits. We're just going to get some miniature chicken Kievs, the little pies. We're going to get a cheese board, that lovely little cheese board yeah. that, that they do now. Yeah. In M&S, have you seen it? Yeah, oh yeah. Just lovely, perfect, yeah. everything you need. A little bit of cheese and chutney. 
we probably always some crisps with dips. We'd have the dips and crisps. And we just have picky bits. It's funny when we say, should we oh, we'll have some picky bits? And all the boys go, it's not enough. I've been at work all day. <laughs> I want a meal. And they're like, but it's like, don't panic. There's loads of it. Like, no, but we want something bigger. So we usually just get them pizzas. Natalie Cassidy, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for comforting no, eating with me. Thank you so much. I've had such a good time. <laughs> You do need to take me out for a meal now at a posh restaurant. That would be an absolute pleasure. We'll go down Browns afterwards. <laughs> Meet Marty in my kitchen. H from Stabs. This episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Emma Roberts. The series producer is Leah Green, and the executive producer is Kathy Drysdale. Music and sound design is by Axel Cacoutier and this episode was mixed by Solomon King. If you like comfort eating, please leave us a review. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And use the hashtag ComfortEatingPod to get in touch about the podcast or share your own comfort foods. This is The Guardian. 